Welcome back, everybody. It is uh, going firmly into November. It is officially gaming season. Of course, we've all just experienced all of the time change issues, giving every gamer across the nation that extra hour to enjoy their Xbox and with that connect, of course. No comment, Brent. Um, that being said, let's introduce everybody we have tonight. Uh, first up, Adam. Adam Deliva, variation gives my gamer tag. And Brent. Uh, Brent Roberts, symmetric be the name. Steven. Sam Shaft, Steven Cameron. And myself, Ken Lafrenier, Alex1138, uh, gamer tag. Everybody here has been busy working diligently for the site. Each of us have enjoyed a bit of travel for the site as well. Thank you very much for that, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, it's raining games. That's what it is. It's It's been a it's wonderful a year. <laughs> of course, it's going to make uh, things a little tricky on the wallet. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Symmetric, I want you to kick us off. Tell us a little bit about Fallout. Well, had a chance to check out Fallout New Vegas, and I have to say that this isn't the Fallout 4 that we've all been hoping for. However, though, this is definitely brings back Fallout 3 feelings that, I mean, I've already invested over 250 plus hours into the game. It's definitely one that it's, I could honestly say could be contender for game of the year. The story's amazing. The interaction's phenomenal. Vegas itself is just immense. So there's plenty of, you know, things to do. A couple of surprises, though. Um, People have often wondered if uh, the Brotherhood return, but I've heard rumors that they exist in Vegas, but I'll leave that for people to find out for themselves. (laughs) Now, uh, I mean... We, we're hearing a lot this year about the whole, um, you know, version 1.5 of games rather than actual sequels. Is that necessarily a bad thing, especially in the, the Fallout universe, in, in your opinion? Well, you have to t- take into consideration that if a company does a game that seems not so much like a true sequel, that they could be looking strictly for the money investment. But at the same time, with all the download content that Fallout 3 got, I could easily see how they could make this New Vegas game its own separate entity in the Fallout series. So, I mean, granted, it's not Fallout 4, so it's a true sequel, but it could almost be like if you didn't play Fallout 3, you could play Fallout New Vegas and still get the same full, you know, rich experience that you get in either title. So the separation is definitely there. Yeah. I got a question for you, Brent. You yeah. think this should have been DLC versus the retail title? No, no, definitely not. It's Just, not that bad, or not that it's watered n- down. Or... Right, it's not that watered down at all. The content is absolutely epic in size. Like, there's multiple different factions. Each faction has their own quests that you can do, plus random quests that you can find on the side. I mean, there's just so much to do. Like, as we speak right now, I have over 22 open quests ready to go that I could do, you know, in any order I want. So there's not a lack of content by any means. So how do you sell this to someone like me that, you know, I uh, I played Fallout 3, but it wasn't, I don't know, I just didn't get into it very much. Okay. I don't know what it was. It just wasn't my big thing. So how do how does someone like me that... From the all looks of what I've played just briefly, it looks like a map pack, is it not? Right. No, it's 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 not that. Uh, with Fallout 3, when you started out, it took a while. It took a long while for the game to develop and get you know into the core aspect of the story of Fallout 3. Most of the time in the beginning, you start as a little kid and you grow up and you leave the vault and everything and you have all these experiences inside the vault. So it takes a long time for that game to develop. In Vegas, you start out getting shot in the head. And then you're left to die in a grave. I like so, it already. <laughs> so you, all of a sudden you come to life and your care and this is when you form your character and your first quest, find the guy who killed you. 
and it and it's just spans from that and from there there's other side quests and other factions so the action in vegas is far greater than the uh than fallout 3 so it doesn't take so long to get into the story because they kind of throw the story right in your face in the beginning in the first 10 seconds and say this is what it is you got shot in the head you're left to die find them I think it hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's definitely a sign of a good game when the first quest is to find out who killed you. That's uh, that's interesting. How do you right? do that, anyways? That's my question. You're dead. You got a oh. hole in the head. Another eye socket. How are you supposed to get up and? Uh, never mind. Excellent. Well, thanks. it was eighty nine percent, by the way. Oh, okay. okay. Thanks for that, Brent. Adam, you've uh, you've been uh, touting Enslaved recently. Yeah, I uh, I got I got sent this, and somehow I didn't really know anything about it. I, I saw the box, but it wasn't on my radar, nothing like that. So luckily I got it sent to me and started playing it. And within just a couple short hours, uh, easily contender for game of the year for me, easily. Wow. wow. Uh, it's It's got great pacing. The characters are amazing. The voicing is done like just perfectly. Gameplay is great. Like I, made, I gave the sound a 10. Everything else was a nine. Like. Ooh. It was just an amazing game overall. Now, again, we're, we're seeing all kinds of uh, uh, sequels and, and different iterations of the same genre. Uh, where would you put Enslaved? So this is kind of like... Um, the gameplay is almost like a Prince of Persia, where you're running on walls, jumping from thing to thing, platforming. But what they did right was that there's none of the stupid... You jump the wrong angle and you fall to your death and have to reload. So <laughs> nice. it's... We all love some that. Might, <laughs> some might see that as linear, but I liked it that it streamlined it and there was no frustration because of it. I'll be honest with you. Brent and I, when we went to E3, I don't know about you, Brent, but I didn't see this game. No, I didn't see it either. No, I I didn't. It wasn't on my radar at all, which is pretty rare for me to not even notice something. But we stopped so, by the Namco booth, but I think when we went there, yeah, they were merging with... Uh, I forget they were merging with somebody and their lady at the desk, if I remember correctly, she didn't know what was going on or whatever but no there's yeah, really one that did. slipped under the the rug anyways i'll tell you yeah well i've heard these comments before about it being uh you know relatively linear and again that lack of uh, falling to your death with each misstep but i wonder does that really shorten the gameplay and and the challenges well i mean you can look at it either way but the way i see it it might be linear but that there's a specific pace that the, the game wants you to play it and then uncover the story and stuff. So, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, it's a single-player game, but, um, I mean, it's the same same idea with Bioshock, where it had a specific pacing, but because of that, that's how the story played out. And it was just... It was just... Uh, it was a great game. I, I can't say enough great things about it. That's, that's awesome. I mean, uh, again moving into the holiday season it certainly looks like that's going to be a title that everybody's going to have to check out that's the one thing i, I like I really about so. the gaming industry still does that they're still able to blindside us with games Sleepers. like this that yeah yeah that basically people get excited about when they didn't expect it you know what i mean that's the one thing about gaming that keeps me going a little bit is that you get these games that come out of nowhere and they go wow you know yeah, there's That's very right. few games that I, as soon as I finish it, I want to start over again and just start playing again. Or and especially Namco. Like, let's yeah. face it. Let's face it. Namco hasn't released good stuff other than, what is it, Soul Calibur, their license or whatever? I mean, it's a hit and miss, you know? Well, funny enough, this is made by Heavenly Sword, which is the guys that are the, the guys that did Heavenly Sword. Right. The, the oh, well. So, I mean, it's it's interesting to see their, their cross-platform game, and it's it worked at just really well fantastic thanks uh, thanks for that adam yep. um I, i've got to tell everybody a little bit about Homefront. thq and uh, chaos has been, been uh, gracious enough in the last month to send xboxaddict.com out to uh let's see san francisco first and then most recently uh sent steven and i out to montreal uh, during thq's new opening of their uh, latest studio in Montreal, and uh, very nice, yeah, incidentally. Very nice, very nice indeed. Um, and we've been able to experience Homefront now in in San Francisco. We got some of the multiplayer here in Montreal. We got the first bit of the single player, and I've got to tell you, 
I'm I'm really excited for this title. Not only is it uh, kind of refreshing on the story edge, and I'm very much a story-driven gamer, but the 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 gameplay itself really is fantastic. Um, there's some polish that needs to get done, and I'm sure. Oh yeah, that that thing's like uh, spring of. 11 right it's not until march uh, we're expecting this and on that note i mean thq has indicated they're going to have us out again yet to get uh more of a a finished product feel but i'm really excited it's it's got the story uh, kind of a a red dawn-esque story in fact the the game itself is written by the same writer as uh red dawn and uh the biggest difference is it's based in uh, 2027 and we're get ready just around the corner we are being attacked by north korea don't laugh relax when you see being attacked by hawaii (laughs) (laughs) when you see the game and the way that developers have really built the story um it it does actually make a lot of sense at the time so uh Brent, brent and i saw the little propaganda they had going on over there Mm-hmm. They had uh, some rig out in the parking lot across the street from the convention center. Yep. Me and, me and Brent were looking at it at scratching our heads and not knowing what's going on. But but we found out later it was for Homefront, and they had uh, Koreans or Asian folks dressed up in the attire, and they're all in character and everything. It was pretty cool. So it, yeah. it was interesting. Then we got to see it on this big honking TV. <laughs> and I don't know about you, Brent, but when I walked out of there, I went, wow. Oh, that game has a ton of possibilities. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's inspired. I Call of Duty right away. To, yeah. You know, not, not to, it has that. If people like Call of Duty, I think mm. they're going to like this a lot. And I think that's what they're shooting for. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it exactly. I mean, it is inspired a lot by uh, all of the different genre, or sorry, all of the different first-person shooters within the genre. Um, uh, but again, I get back to that story. Even in the multiplayer, Very intriguing, yeah, yeah that, that's right. Even in the multiplayer, um, you have small maps and large maps. But what's really nice is that as most of them are objective-based, so you have to uh, take over different areas on the map. But as your team takes over those spots, you actually the, – the objective shifts. So now instead of just holding on to the spots you have, now you have to take over other spots as well. So it eliminates a lot of the, uh, the camping, a lot of the sniping. There were sniping areas, but nobody had time to get to them. It was really intriguing that way. It's uh, definitely a jump in and away you go kind of game. And – the first time you get to control the Goliath or the remote control helicopters and, and, and machine guns and everything else, the first time you get a chance to do that, trust me, you'll be blown away. Nice. Well, I was impressed. Yeah. Single player wise, I'll be honest with you, the single player story, the beginning sequence is very, uh, I guess the best way to put it, it's, it's, it's got little tingles going up to your neck because it's like, okay, what if this were to happen? I, I don't live in the States, so right. Brent, you, you would uh, be shaking in your boots a little more than we would, but, you know. So uh, it's convincing. Oh, very much. You, you, okay. It's an interesting hears. story. I mean, let's face it, North Korea comes, but they really cut the video together and push the story forward in a very compelling way that I'm in, I was impressed with. I don't know about Ken, but I think he was too. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody here has played COD, and, and when you first start the game, I mean, yeah, you're interested to see what's going to happen next, and, and that becomes your, your drive to get into the game. Nice. With Homefront, by the time you first get to pick up a pistol, you want to shoot somebody. <laughs> you really do. Like it's, Oh, it's, yeah. It's yeah, right in there you. with you. You want to take these people on. You're so angry, they build up that, that anger because they, they touch on very personal things along the, the introduction. It's pretty cool. That's right. All right, Stephen, mm. let us know your thoughts on Connect. Uh, do I have to? You do. Oh, man. Well, basically, I'm going to take the perspective and the high ground and saying this in a nice way, it's not for me. It's not the hardcore gamer thing. But my kids and my wife love it. They love what we've had on the beta program. I'm allowed to talk about the beta program now. Is essentially Connected Ventures. Uh, what else did we have? Joyride and 
what the hell is the other one? Connect Sports. And they loved it. My son can just start bowling, no problems. It worked. But as soon as my two-year-old daughter would go right in front, back and forth, the thing would glitch out a little bit. But that was during the beta, so I'm hoping that they've patched these things up and made it better, but who knows. So I am currently downloading from the beta Connect Adventures. We'll see how the final version, you know, plays out, and we'll see. Excellent. Well, you've played it, Ken, too. You went out and uh, bought this thing. Yeah, I, I did. I ended up being one of these uh, day of launch people. I went out. I, I was on the fence at first, but then uh, my kids had experienced it, and uh, they they wanted it. We went out, got it, and uh, I hate to say it. I mean, we've spent <laughs> quite a number of hours already um, playing adventures. Uh, you feel energized with we- we do indeed, and, and with my, the exercise and my kids love the fact <laughs> that they can just step in and take control, not only of, of the game itself, but of every aspect of the Xbox. It really, it's a very powerful feeling for a young child, and and I, I don't mind telling you, and my age and, and with my activity level, I like to be able to sit back and tell my <laughs> Xbox what to do. <laughs> Adam, I'm sure you're there with me on that. No, absolutely. I mean, mean, even Brent caught me playing Connectimals earlier today, so (laughs) I'm all over it. So, I I, like I said, it depends on the person. Like for me, I'm more of the hardcore gamer. It's cool. I like to watch. I like actually. Ah, you're just a wannabe. (laughs) (laughs) No, but what I'm getting at is, it's really interesting the mixed feelings that from everybody. Like, I mean, um, we won't get Brent started, but essentially. I haven't because, said anything. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, it the mixed the feelings on Xbox Addict they're very diverse. Like they're there's just like one end of the spectrum to the other and everything else in between. And I'm more of a hey my kids like it, my wife likes it, cool. But personally, I I cumbersome, I don't know if I want to get off my butt and do the, all this movement stuff. Or pit animals that don't exist. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, See, I, you you didn't go to as liberal a college as I did, I guess. Um, but what again? What I can say is, people had a lot of expectations for uh, Connect going into this. Uh, over the last couple of months, there's been a lot of details with. Uh, I can you know, hear Brent's face getting red. Yeah, there there was a lot of details that came up with some of the tech that was pulled away from. And understandably, there's mm. concerns now with how it's delivering. Um, again, I'm with Steven. My kids love it. That's enough for me. At this point, absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm hoping with the uh, next iteration of the Xbox, maybe we'll see that next big jump in high-tech connect. But at this point, I'm, I'm quite happy with what I've gotten. I'm going to go out on a limb here and let Brent out of the cage with a small leash here. That's dangerous. Where... I've been talking to Brent about this uh, sort of off the record and not not too much during the beta, but basically once it was released, I was like, you know, what do you think? And, and his concerns were pretty valid. I mean, uh, and then I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. And we both agreed on one thing, and it needs a killer app. It doesn't have it right now. And the only thing right now that everybody's See, saying is the killer right. app is the Dad Central. You you want a killer app for you, but you're not the target audience when it when it. That's right. Now. That's right. I totally agree with that too. It's just, it's not. There's not an app right now to bring in the hardcore gamer. I guess I should rephrase that. That's the that's my thing there. Again, but like Dan Central, big popular thing. Yeah, you know? early in when they were uh, promoting Connect, long before the the actual name was when it was still Project Natal. I mean, it was it was garnered for the hardcore gamer. That's what they were saying. It would attract everybody across the spectrum, and that's where the letdowns come in. Brent, did you want to say anything on this? Yeah, uh, people get hyped up on, about things themselves. I agree. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, How about it, Brent? Well, my biggest issue with Connect is that I see it as a tremendous failure of potential. Connect, when Microsoft acquired the company, bought the company that made the technology, they went ahead and made, they wanted to make Project Natal out of this. Okay, great. Well, the thing is, is that Microsoft gutted Connect. They absolutely got, they took the processor out. I mean, before, Connect used to be so powerful 
that it could recognize individual fingertips. Now it can't even do that. And so they outsource their materials to try and keep the price down, which I can understand if you're looking at it at a price point point of view. But at the same point in time, if you replace the stuff that was already there with less quality components, you take the processor out so you completely limit it. And now the Kinect is running off one of the processors of the 360. So already it's... Let's, let's do a roundtable of why do we think they did that conspiracy theory. I'll go first. My why why do you guys think that... Wh- okay, let's assume that Brandt is 100% right. Let's just uh, assume that. Again, I can't help but notice that in the next couple of years, maybe three years, we're due for that next uh, great console. Um, I know that uh, Sony's been looking at it. Of course, Nintendo's looking at it. So Xbox is kind of playing the cards a little close to their chest, holding on to a few tech secrets for the next big launch. That's my opinion. I think so, too. I'm on the side with Ken on this one. I think they bought it. All the tech's there. But I think they released a light version of it first for this console so people get crazy for it. And then they go... The next console, maybe it'll be bundled with it, who knows, and it'll do the fingertip stuff. So let me ask you this. So if it had all the tech there, it could see your fingertips, and it cost 300 bucks on its own, you're saying you would have bought it then? In a heartbeat. Why? Why does the fingerprint, fingers... Because it allows... changing. Because it allows for a lot more uh, integration with different types of games. It allows more that you can do in an actual game other than just going up to the wrist you can do a hell of a lot higher definition sensory exactly that's what the processor could do that's why connect now does not recognize sign language so this is you know yes i would have if they would have gone ahead and included all of this technology that they acquired in the beginning put the price point at 299 i would have bought it day one see i i wouldn't have i'm not buying a 300 hundred dollar camera that's the same price. See, that's the thing, right? It's it's price tag at the end of the day. So I think I think to be honest with you, this whole connecting is a moot point. I think we should look at it, see what it does. If it falls on its face, we we play the little wah 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 song and move on. You know. That's right. You know what? All it right. all comes down to perception, and perception being key at, at the at the risk of using a really bad segue. Uh, Adam, you're our rock star. So give us your perception well, given. on Rock Band. Rock Band's awesome. So what they've done new is obviously add the new instruments. So the big thing is the keyboard that you can subsequently use as a guitar as well with the strap-on, which I regularly do. Did you try it? Oh, yeah. Do you put on it like a Hall & Oates jacket and just rock it? No, 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 no. This is what he has to do. He has to no, put no, on the no. white I... wig, and it's got to be the flock of seagull and sing no, Iran. No, no, no. The keyboard's awesome. It's 25 keys. You can actually use it as a MIDI keyboard. Um, great feeling on it. Great weight. Um, it's very, very challenging if you play the promo that uses the full 25 keys. Um, the guitars are coming out, which are the 102 buttons, and then later string is the actual string guitar. So this is definitely br- bridging the gap between people that, oh, look, I can play music games to kind of starting to bridge that gap for the people that want to actually start to learn how to play so when you learn how to play music you mean yeah when you play pro keys and you start playing expert you can actually translate that to a keyboard right but they're actually real keystrokes so if you're playing the flock of seagulls there you're actually really really playing the and same thing you pick up the pro guitar they're actual chords so it actually it's actually teaching you how to do the proper fingering for for guitars Uh, okay no fingering so now, now not only is this a sequel for the Rock Band franchise, but it's also really a, an evolution in that it's adding the peripherals, really bringing the true uh, ability to play back into the uh, you know entertainment aspect of gaming. Yeah, this is definitely more of a sequel than 2 was from 1. This is just a whole other leap forward. They've added vocal harmonies so three people can sing. Um, and just the gameplay changes where drop in, drop out, change difficulty on the fly. Uh, I mean, if you're playing and someone fails out, you can continue finishing the song. You won't get the points, but at least then you don't have to, you know, retry the whole song again. 
Well, Brent I mean, and I saw that at E3. What do you think of that, Brent? Well, I thought the when they broke when they broke out the actual Fender Stratocaster and showed the how it's an actual guitar that they've managed to incorporate into Rock Band Three, and it's you know from it's a Stratocaster. You know, and the only thing that was uh, people were wondering about were two things: one, release date of this instrument, and two, price point. You know, yeah. but but recently they came out. They said March first, two thousand eleven. That's when it comes out, and it's going to be costing two hundred and eighty bucks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but here's but the that thi- could also be doubled as a real guitar. Exactly. Oh, okay. exactly. So, so you actually get a real guitar for two hundred. Exactly. Like the keyboard. Oh, the keyboard's okay. eighty bucks, but you can actually use it as a MIDI keyboard. Right. Oh, okay. That's cool. Then at least you're not buying a, a you know, like a guitar hero classic. guitar that you're like, woohoo, the five five buttons there. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. Right. Okay. Now, Adam, in Rock Band Three, can you use other MIDI controllers in Rock Band Three? Haven't tr- I haven't tried. I um, yeah. I would assume that the. I actually I don't believe so because it has to talk to the Xbox, right? So unless you have that, I guess a USB MIDI converter, it might. But honestly, I haven't tried. Okay. I, I have no musical talent, so I don't have any instruments other than all my rock band, Guitar Hero, stuff like that. So, Well, again, that's something that's kept me away from the whole uh, rock band experience is simply that I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of, of how it interacts with the game itself. Uh, I, I play the drums. So the first time I tried rock band uh, with the drums, I was a little put off in, in how it keeps beat. But again, as I understand it, you're actually able to set this up to actually go along with the actual songs. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the same. It's The drumming is a little different. I mean, it's not going to teach you how to do the exact no. song drumming, but it teaches you the mechanics and the basics of drumming. Right. And I, the, uh, the, I can certainly appreciate that a lot more than just... Random. Well, like when I started, I couldn't separate my hand from my foot, and now you know I play expert <laughs> now. So I mean, it definitely teaches you how to do things properly. And then these keyboards and the guitars, they just take it a whole step further, where it'll actually bridge that gap of playing music and playing a game. And you'll the- be so loud that basically the whole thing will override the game, and people will be playing real music <laughs> and bury the TV and the app and everything. And- and the only the, thing I'm very curious about now, I don't know what they can do next, to be honest. I right. I don't know what's going to be next for those guys. Well, what about David Lee Roth in the package? Send it Ooh, that's not a big selling point at this. At this uh... <laughs> well, Adam, let me ask you this. Do you think that if the Stratocaster sells well, do you think they will start adding more actual instruments? Like, do you What th- else could they add? Well, I mean, they could do independent real-life basses. They could do an actual, you know... Oh, like variants like Pearl like drum that. set. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm sure they could. Um, we'll have to see how people take up the guitars, because, I mean, there's a supply issue right now in Canada, so the guitars aren't even out here yet. So uh-huh. we'll see how it goes with the button guitar, and then we'll see how it goes with the, the actual Stratocaster. I wonder if the guitar was the cheapest thing to adapt. And the keyboard could I be it's the most from a cost standpoint. Because yeah. I, I'd, I'd hate to see, I'd hate to see a Def Leppard drummer kit there, you know, at the back of a rock ooh, band ooh, that, ooh. that you know twenty grand or something. You know. I think I it just makes even... the most sense. Yeah. Yeah, for the first step, you know. Yeah. That. yeah. So I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm curious mm-hmm. to see oh. if we'll pick it up. And yeah, it's confusing. Like when you see the game, if you don't know how to play a guitar. It's really confusing, but again, it's just you got to take your baby steps and learn it. Right. All right, Brent, let us know. You you had the experience uh, with Castlevania. You you gave it glowing glowing review. Fill us in a little bit more. Well, for people who have been waiting like me for Castlevania to come out on a 360 system, like yeah, our prayers have been answered. This is by far hands down. I it to me personally, it's my game of the year. It's that good. The storyline, the graphics, everything that we've ever hoped for in a Castlevania is there. And the fact is, it's a reboot, right? So you can't really take it in the fact that it's canon. So it's a great story. And I'll leave it at this. People say, you know, well, you go fight Dracula, you fight Dracula. However, though, how does Dracula actually come to be? I mean, he just doesn't appear, 
right? He has to start from somewhere. And in this Castlevania, you get to see that happen. Well, I'm pretty sure he was born somewhere in Vancouver, but that's a side issue. <laughs> now, uh, I was a big the Cas- truth. <laughs> I was a big Castlevania fan back in the day. I, I spent endless hours with it, um, many sleepless nights. But uh, my biggest concern has been: Will it live up to uh, my memories, or is it just going to trash another one of those? Uh, confidences I had in gaming. Well, if you're a Castlevania purist, which I I am actually, I myself am too, so you're not alone, but if you're a Castlevania purist and you're going in there thinking that this is going to be a part of the canon storylines of Castlevania, you're going to be disappointed. However, though, that doesn't mean to say that the story that they do offer does provide some amazing twists, turns, everything like that, that we love and, you know, it come to expect in a Castlevania title. So if you look at it as this is a brand new storyline, you're going to enjoy it a lot. But if you're, if you go in there thinking, well, this isn't like, uh, you know, the original Castlevanias or even Super Castlevania 4. I mean, if you go in there thinking that it's going to be like that, then you're naturally going to be disappointed because this is a totally new story. Right, absolutely. Now, my my only other concern with Castlevania, and I've I've been reading on this a bit, and I'm getting more concerned. When it came out, there was a few other titles that, that were a little more mainstream, and then the Castlevania storyline again felt like it was fe- feeding back to these purists and uh, people like you and I. Are you concerned that this may undersell? simply because of the way it was marketed uh, and then not allowing for future development well as i don't i'm not going to spoil the ending but it does leave a lot of questions in your mind and they've already discussed making a sequel but the thing is is that since gabriel himself in the game he's not even a belmont so when you that alone is a big like you know, no pun intended, stake through the heart of, you know, <laughs> the purists of Castlevania. You know, it's like you always have a, you know, some like Belmonts fighting Dracula and stuff like that. But this is where it's all in the reboot. Now, I think the reason is, is that it may undersell simply because of the fact of the purists have already gone into the game with the mindset of, well, this is going to be this and this is going to be that. And then when they don't get it, they automatically say, well, this is just, no, this isn't, no, this is just bad. But if you give it its fair due and, you know, go into it knowing that it's a whole new storyline, then, yeah, I can definitely see, you know, where a purist would enjoy the game. And that's why I think it may undersell, but it's not going to be because of marketing. It'll be because of the fact that we went into it with the wrong mindset to begin with. I mean, I had that problem with many a games. Right. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, there's, there's from a, a true uh, purist and and fan of the classic, uh, telling you from his heart, obviously, that Castlevania is worth picking up and worth spending the time with. Um, we we do have to move on, simply because the, our next topic, I've got a feeling, will take up a little bit of time. Stephen, um, mm-hmm. I think you're able to talk about Call of Duty Black Ops. All right, basically Call of Duty. Uh, I had the privilege to get uh, to go to California to see a uh, early review event, and I got flown up for the multiplayer stuff. And uh, I'm impressed. I mean, there is this whole Treyarch versus Infinity Ward thing, but I think that's been laid to rest. And uh, basically, my review has gone up today. Uh, edit this part out. That means today, as in the Tuesday, we're going to broadcast this. Um, but basically, uh, the game consists of different modes. <clears throat> the first mode is the single-player campaign, of course, that we all have learned to love. And <clears throat> you guys can ask me all the questions you want afterwards. Uh, multiplayer with some new modes and things like that. They've added the thing called COD points and wager matches. And I can answer that. And there's some co-op, which is the zombie. And a few other Easter eggs. So it's some pretty cool stuff. I got a chance to finish the single-player campaign in about six and a half hours, roughly. 
on normal. Right. So uh, I'm up for questions. I mean, well, yeah, I think we'll do uh, basically roundtable with uh, the questions, and I'll I'll kick it off. Um, Stephen, with the single player campaign, there's mm-hmm. all kinds of concern that you know the the stories are going to get stale and again going back to the whole Treyarch Infinity Ward what was your take on the story for the single player campaign? It was awesome it's all set in the Cold War slash Vietnam era which is the late 60s and 1970 ish and essentially you're, you play the, this character, You basically the story starts off without spoilers too much you start off, you're in a chair restrained and there's an individual behind a, sort of a glass looking down at you. You can't see his face. And he's asking you all these questions about <clears throat> what happened on this mission. <clears throat> Where were you? What happened exactly? This is not what happened. Uh, and you're being interrogated in, in a pretty brutal way. And essentially, you basically how you tell the truth is how you play through the campaign. So in other words, he asks you, and you tell him, "Well, this is what happened," and then you play through it. Now, does that mean that how you play determines what the outcome is, or is it still only no. one outcome? No, no, no. It's basically there's no answering question, yes or no. It, it's okay. pretty linear. It's pretty, you know, how most Call of Duties are. This is this is how it is. They haven't really revolutionized the storytelling too much. Um, from what I can tell, I don't think there's an alternate ending by any means, but. Um, Maybe that's an Easter egg that nobody was saying anything, but basically, um, did you guys want me to tell you the ending, or you guys? Just no, gonna... no. Okay, okay, Hold on. that's fine. Okay, <laughs> then that's fine. I just put it out there because some people don't care, and it's like you know. But you basically start off being interrogated, and then you go through uh, the different parts of you know the story. Basically, you're in Russia at one point, Cuba, another, you know, Vietnam, and all these different places, and essentially. The graphics are really good. They're right up there with Modern Warfare 2. Uh, so graphically, it's great. The story is awesome. I really enjoyed the story. They really thought this one through. They didn't just go, oh, well, let's just do Vietnam thing. No, no, they really thought this one through. Really well done. Right. Adam, any other questions? So I got two. The first one, how does it stack up with Treyarch doing it this time? as opposed to Infinity Ward? I think it's on par, but... Uh, because their past really... two haven't been, right? right? Well, basically, if you look at uh, Call of Duty 3 and basically uh, World at War, uh, Call of Duty 3 was terrible. Uh, World at War was pretty good, but not amazing. Um, it was a skin pack. It was a good kick at the can, <laughs> so to speak. But Black Ops... They've went, well, this was us before, this is us now, and I think they've really stepped it up, to be honest with you. I, If I were to look at it and somebody wouldn't have told me that it would have been Treyarch or Infinity Ward doing this, I would think it would be Infinity Ward. If you wouldn't say anything, you know what I mean, full surprise. So they've done really well. I think the single player, the way it's stitched together, it has that Infinity Ward vibe of a story. But it, you could tell it's Treyarch's little, you know, as soon as you see zombies, I guess. <laughs> think of Treyarch. But uh, but if, essentially, uh, I've got no complaints on the single-player campaign. Now, I probably get railed for this, and hopefully not next <laughs> this week or next week, whatever, that people will just like, you were full of crap, and you know. <laughs> but I enjoyed it from my own experience. I, I thought it was as competent as the last title, which is Modern Warfare 2. Say, you know, as far as single player, and there's some other stuff too. Did you guys want me to talk about the uh, Easter eggs a little bit, or did you want to discover that on your own, or save it? Easter, save it, save it. <laughs> we'll do another follow up. <laughs> well, I could save it, but let's just say this: I won't give any reveals. But if you access a certain part of the game and type in certain words, you basically have access to an arcade title built in there, and it's a lot of fun. Ton of fun mixture of Smash TV, Robotron. So um, it'll be the that will be revealed in the uh, review that I've done. So go read that online. But basically, for those of you that don't want it, the Easter egg, skip to the bottom, look at the score and the conclusion, then that's it. You know. 
So the the multiplayer modes I want to talk about real quick is Treyarch has really done something really cool. Is that they've taken multiplayer, what everybody loves, but they added what they call COD points. COD points are basically like money currency that you can bet with you and your your friends, and you can say, okay, let's all wager. You can do it as a group or a small group of guys and say, oh, okay, look, we'll put in ten thousand COD points, and then you play, and you can do double or nothing or you know that kind of thing, and then essentially you can.、Um, Increase your basically your your money, and that gives you the ability to buy camouflage guns, add-ons, whatever. It's a little so, shopping mall of goodness there you can do. So it's pretty cool. Is that going to not encourage people to quit out of a game though when they're about to lose? I don't know. See, that's the thing I don't know. If you lose, essentially you lose your money. So if you don't want to stick around and give your money to the other person when you actually wager in. That's up to the person. So basically, if you go in and you say, "I'm going to bet five thousand cod points," and you decide to leave early, well, guess what? You just lost your five thousand cod points anyway. So you forfeit, basically. Right. That's wow. So if you stick around, you may get a chance and have a noble chance. So it's pretty cool. There's some different game modes that are pretty cool. The my favorite ones、uh, is called One in the Chamber. You get one bullet. You run around with a pistol, and you have three lives. That's it. <clears throat> Basically, if you got if you kill the guy, that's fine. You're good. You get another bullet. If and then everybody else has one bullet. When you run out of the bullet, you run around with a knife. And basically, when you kill somebody with a knife, you get a bullet. And the player with the highest score at the end wins the round. It doesn't mean the last person standing. It's the one with the highest score. So, in other words, if you've killed twenty people. The other guy's the last one standing, and he only killed five. Well, guess what? He doesn't win. Make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> so things like that. There's another mode called sticks and stones.、Uh, everybody gets a crossbow, a ballistic knife. Ballistic knife is their new weapon, where it looks like a pen with a projectile knife coming out of it, almost like a with a button on the thumb, and、uh, and a tomahawk. And the way it works is that the highest score wins, obviously. The catch is. If you tomahawk an opponent, you bankrupt that player's point, and they'll have to start from zero and work their way back up on the scoreboard. So if you hit it with the, the tomahawk, hitting somebody with the tomahawk is really hard. So basically, and they've 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 spiced this up to make it interesting, right? So so it's pretty cool stuff. And then there's another one called the gun game. The gun game is actually pretty fun. And basically, you start off. Everybody starts off with a pistol. Each kill advances you to the next weapon tier. So the next weapon tier would be whatever machine gun or a little bit higher. There's 20 weapons to cycle through, and the first person to go through all 20 weapons wins. Wow! <clears throat> so some pretty neat stuff. The other good component、uh, that I'll talk about real quick is the combat training.、Uh, I was talking to Brent、uh, earlier about it. And essentially, is、um, it's basically bots. So I'll give you an example. When I go online, I get my ass handed to me by whoever playing Call of Duty. And this allows people like me to go in co-op with other people and play against bots on the same multiplayer map. So really, it's just a, a chance to find out where the good <laughs> camping spots are. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, you get to learn the maps, and if you never want to go online and play against these people that will,、uh, like Brent said earlier, do a triple somersault and shoot you in the forehead and、uh, pluck an, a hair off the top of your head and win the match,、uh, this gives you a good chance to make the AI or the bots really stupid and or at whatever skill level you think you're at, and. The the wagering system and all that stuff is separate for that game mode, but you get to learn the maps, you get the bots. It's a good chance to to learn some strategies too without going online in the real way, <laughs> and you get to play a little bit. So it's pretty cool. It certainly sounds like the game has a lot to take in for sure. There's、uh, all these different modes and stuff, so it's pretty cool. 
Brent, did you, did you have any questions? Well, yeah, I had a couple. Uh, like, I was just wondering uh, what you feel are some of Black Ops' best innovations that they've included to make people want to go out and shell out the money for the game or the even the Prestige Edition uh, and stuff like that. And I was also wondering, since you've had a chance to experience both single-player and multiplayer, uh, one of the big complaints that people were saying about Modern Warfare 2 was that it ended up being a glitch fest. And so did you notice anything like that when you were playing both sides of the spectrum? Nope. I, you know, let's face it. We were out there, maybe on the server there at any given time, there's 100 people. When on launch day comes, there's going to be 100,000 people plus. So that's going to maybe play into the, the laggy and glitchiness or whatever you want to call it. But <clears throat> for people to shell out the money <clears throat> on Call of Duty... Uh, I personally think that uh, a person should be confident in buying this version, even if it's Treyarch, and they may have a little bit rocky uh, previous installments of Call of Duty. I think this one really stands up. I think they had big shoes to fill, obviously, with right. Infinity Ward sort of being that king of that castle a little bit. You know, I think mm. they really stepped up their game, I think. Like I said, the single player is really cool. Multiplayer is really cool. The co-op is really cool with zombies uh, and a few Easter eggs that are in there that really add to this whole experience. So I, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that people will be just as happy. I mean, I mean, I've been a Call of Duty fan since Call of Duty Two came out on the Xbox 360. I mean, I'm a little jaded or tainted, if you will, but, <clears throat> but a person that's hardcore. You're going to get your Infinity Ward hardcore folks, right? That'll never go away. Mm. You know, that, that you'll get the, the Call of Duty Infinity Ward guys. I know a guy that still plays Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 1 all the time. Okay. That's all he plays. That's all he plays day in, day out, and it's like, okay. So and it's there's going to be people, you know. Oh, so it's safe to assume that this is the best Call of Duty game that Treyarch has ever made? Yes. Okay. Not the best Call of Duty title ever, but let's just say it's on par with everything that's been out so far. You know, I think uh, on day of release, that's going to be the biggest concern. And I'm I'm certain that uh, a week, maybe a couple of weeks after the <laughs> actual I'll release... I'll be grilled, I know. Yeah, we'll, you know, <laughs> we'll have a ton of questions. At this point, really, it's... <laughs> I just want It's my opinion. It. Well, basically, at this point, it's my opinion, and that's it, so... You know, it's it's. I'm a big fan, and I like what I saw, and that's it. You know, it's well. It's, if past experience acceptable. dictates future uh, future results, then I'm sure Adam, Brent, and myself are going to be seeing you in our crosshairs on the uh, online anyway. So, no, well, exactly. I, I'm going to be too busy playing with my RC car. <laughs> yeah, I hope I hope I get that. <laughs> yeah, I can actually see that, Adam. All right, guys, you know what? Uh, at the risk of turning this uh, entire podcast into one giant mini-series, we're going to move on. Um, of course, we're coming into the holiday season. We're, what, 50, less than 50 days away at this point? Um, so let's you just... You have little kids counting the days at your house. Oh, my goodness, I tell you. Um, I count the days. Well, I count the days, <laughs> absolutely. Um, so... What I want to know, I mean, we're gamers. We certainly have a, a bit of a, a sense of what's coming and what's uh, anticipated. I want to get a sense on what your season's must-haves are. Brent, give me two or three titles that everybody should have under the tree. Fallout, Castlevania, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Nice. Adam? Uh, enslaved, if you want something... Just awesome, great story. Uh, connect if you have wife, girlfriend, kids, and a side or a guy like Adam, <laughs> or uh, living at your house. I'm gonna probably go with Assassin's Creed just because the multiplayer just looks amazing. Excellent. I'm gonna add to that stack. I, I have to add Tron again. I, I haven't even gotten hands on, but I'm excited for it. Need for Speed uh, Hot Pursuit is is definitely got to be there. 
and Alan Wake. Anybody who hasn't picked up this title has got to pick it up. Get the DLC. It's well worth having. On that kind of side note, everybody should put a few bucks away for the uh, home front coming in March. Steven, what are your must-haves? Need for Speed, for sure. Uh, Call of Duty. Uh, Black Ops. And I'm looking forward to Assassin's Creed Brotherhood for the simple reason. I didn't get to play the second one. Time ran out, but I'm going to do it. When Christmas rolls around, I'm taking a few weeks off there, and I'm going to sit down. And I don't care if my five-year-old sees me assassinate somebody at that point. And uh, I'm going to finish the thing. <laughs> Where else? But Learn a little something, son. Uh, but that's well, what, basically, those are the games. Those are... The, I'm a big Assassin's Creed fan from the first one. The second one, looks, the third one looks great with the multiplayer. I mean, uh, I was intrigued to say the least. There was huge lineups at E3. Brent and I never really got to see the multiplayer too much. But from what I've been reading and things like it's that, awesome. it, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I must admit I'm intrigued. But Need for Speed, been playing the demo. Ken calls me up last week. You got to download it. I'm like, okay, okay, sure. And my son loves to play it. I love the fact that they finally merged the guys from uh, Burnout and Need for Speed. They walked down the aisle and said, I do, and made Need for Speed Hot Pursuit. (laughs) It's a beautiful thing. Nice. (laughs) It's about time that happened, guys. You have to admit that. Yeah. True enough, true enough. EA bought up both techs after Acclaim screwed it up, but basically Burnout was bought up by EA and Need for Speed and Burnout. That was just waiting to happen, you know. Well, I mean, everybody listening, we've got uh, several podcasts coming up. We've got a ton of reviews coming out. Uh, Check the site on a regular basis. If you don't know it by now, you should. XboxAddict.com. For this season, the good, the bad, and yes, unfortunately, even the ugly, we're going to review them for you. Hopefully save you a couple of bucks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we're going to leave Adam. Maybe we'll have a a, a stinky, like they used to have on Much Music in Canada, the fromage, where we review, (laughs) we we bring up all the crappy games for the year and make a show (laughs) just of that. I think we should. I I think what we should do is just let Steven review the really stinky titles. That'll save us all a lot of headaches. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, gentlemen... uh, Let's uh, say our adieu. Adam. This is Adam. Variation. Bloop, bloop, achievement. <laughs> Brent. <laughs> Brent Roberts, symmetric on the forums, the voice of reason. And uh, XboxAddict.com owner, Steven. Good night, guys. Don't and do anything I wouldn't do. <laughs> on behalf of everybody hanging out on the forum, I'm Ken Lafrenia, Alex1138. We'll see you next time. Oh, 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 don't eat yellow snow. Bleep, bloop. Achievement.